tuned to Hip Hop Caucus's Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Kendrick Sampson is an artist, an activist, and what we like to call at Think 100, an artivist. He is a successful actor who moved to Los Angeles from his hometown of Houston, Texas. Kendrick is the latest supervillain to join the CWWB series, The Flash. He's had a key recurring role as Caleb on How to Get Away with Murder, as well as roles on The Vampire Diaries, Grace Point, and Supernatural. And he currently recurs on White Famous for Showtime. And while he's building an incredible acting career, he is one of the most woke folks in Hollywood. Find him on Twitter and Instagram at Kendrick38, and you will be kept in the know on racial justice, immigration, police brutality, and environmental justice. And his activism is not just online. He shows up in communities, at rallies, at mass mobilization, side by side with the people. He joined the Hip Hop Caucus at Standing Rock in 2016 in solidarity with the water protectors opposing the Dakota Access Pipeline. Thank you, Kendrick, for joining me today on Think 100, the coolest show on climate change. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Good, good. <laughs> so, why have you decided to use your platform as an actor to talk about social justice issues? To be honest, I think we all, um, no matter how small our platform is, we have a platform, mm. our lives. Mm -hmm. And I believe that our purpose on this earth is to stand up for those who need to be stood up for, mm. to, for the most vulnerable, to be our brothers and sisters keeper. Mm. I'm a Christian and that's what Jesus did. Hey. Jesus was an activist, yes. right? Yes. Um, Jesus wasn't like, don't let those immigrants in here. Right. You know, Jesus right. wasn't like, let's put these people in prison. You know, yep. um, that's not what he stood up for. He stood up for the most vulnerable, the orphans, the widows, oh, yeah. um, those who were deemed less than in society yeah. and um, those people that we admire most uh, Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. uh, uh, we were talking about Wyoming Atias yeah. uh, you know what a story yeah you know these people were the we admire them because of what they do but then we we, we love to admire them and say oh thank thank you so much for what you did and I'm so glad you did it because, <laughs> because I don't know if I'd be able to do it. And it's like, but you, you are able yeah, to do it. And are. I see people with platforms much smaller than mine, um, you know, do so much more than I could ever do. Mm. Uh, and I see people with platforms much larger than mine do nothing. Right. And I think we have a responsibility no matter who we are. I don't think it's just a celebrity status. I think it, no matter who we are, we have a responsibility to, to use our life as a platform to stand up for those who, who um, tend to be forgotten, tend to be invisible, um, or, uh, you know, oppressed mm. and or oppressed. <laughs> yes, I'm with you on that. Mm. Then. I'm, I literally am with you on that. <laughs> you are a very strong racial justice advocate. How do issues of the environment and climate fit into the way you view the world and view justice for our communities? I think that 
environmental justice has largely been whitewashed and it's a less controversial issue because you don't have to talk about race when talking about the environment people think it's just about the trees and the water and things and of that nature and, yeah. yeah you're like oh the glaciers oh the animals right. and like and they don't have to we're taught you know we're taught not to talk about the, the taboo top topics at um dinner right when when we meet per- people or in like job interviews, we're taught not to talk about uh, politics, right. sex, and religion. Right. And that's why we have rampant, you know, sexual abuse. That's why we have awful politics. Awful. And, you know, uh, religion is abused and used for, you know, people's selfish motives because Very we're true. taught not to talk about it. We're not mm-hmm. to talk about the things that define our morals most, what we're doing in private when nobody's seeing sex, what we're doing, you know, where our values lie, politics and religion and our morals. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, race is one of those races. Mm -hmm. It it falls in that into that category. Um, That's like a political issue. It's not a human issue. Right. Right. You know, is it not? You know, shouldn't we talk about that? Yeah. I think if we talked about it more and we're less afraid to talk to our children about it and ask questions and and stand up for each other, then we wouldn't have as many of these problems and, and learn to celebrate race and talk about celebrating. We don't we can't even talk about race. So we don't learn how to celebrate it. Um, and what the construct is and how it became about. But, um, you know, people tend to lean on less controversial issues to to talk about. And environment, we can all agree that the environment needs to be clean. Mm-hmm. It's like, but we don't talk about who it affects most, mm-hmm. which are communities of color. Yep. Those are the communities that are forgotten. Even when we talk about environmental justice, we're talking about it in a way politicians can get on board with, which is like, let's clean up these white communities. And we need to center native communities. We need to center uh, black and brown communities that are most affected because like, you know, although, you know, I can't ever remember where they met, but these black women, who uh, activists in, I believe, the 70s who uh, invented the idea of identity politics said that it's not what it is today. You know, they said that this was, you know, learning how to stand up for the person that is most intersectionally uh, oppressed, uh, that queer black woman, you know, uh, that right now, you know, native Muslim queer, you know, woman or whoever is the most intersectionally oppressed. And if we focus on liberating that person, then inevitably you have to deconstruct all the other forms of oppression for everyone. Mm. But instead we decide to go to the surface level and the one, the oppression that affects us all. Let's talk about economic. Let's talk about, you know, environment. And you leave out this, the specific racial issues and, and then who's left behind once we fix all the mm-hmm. environmental problems that are safe to talk about, mm-hmm. the people of color. Right. Um, so if we center those communities um, of color and the people that are most affected and most vulnerable and most forgotten and invisible that would be left out on, on those initiatives, then inevitably we, will, we would cure you know, the problems that we have with climate change. Very true. That's a good word. How can the climate movement do a better job of being relevant in people's lives? I think it's I think it's largely, you know, that 
you know, the, to center the, the people of color, center uh, communities of color, center native voices, center, um, center <laughs> uh, black voices, uh, indigenous voices, brown voices that have been doing this work forever, mm-hmm. not because not because it's trendy, right. not because it's politically savvy or, or beneficial or less controversial, but literally because they have to, because right. their, their children are being affected directly. Yeah. Their water is being poisoned right. like Flint and uh, Standing Rock. And, right. you know, they have to rely on those water sources. And if you, if you go to those communities around the world and look at what they're doing to preserve and protect and fight, then... You don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, they they're they're setting the the stage for us. They're setting the the plans for us. I think that that's what we could do. We could stop whitewashing environmental justice and center those voices, those most vulnerable voices. I think that would what we find when we see a, a story like Moonlight and mm. stories like that are very specific, a pariah in some of these stories is, or even Pose, if you watch Pose on, on FX and you look at trans women, you know, that's another, another intersection. The women of color that are trans are the bottom, right? Invisible yeah. and murdered at a higher rate and yeah. all of this. And if you watch Pose, anybody can relate to it. Right. Anybody can relate to feeling like an outsider. You not, might not have a trans experience right. and you're not going to be able to relate on a specific level, but everybody can relate universally. Right, sure. So I think if we center those voices of those communities of color that are most vulnerable and most affected, uh, first uh, you know, affected, then I think that that's, that would be more universal and we would, we would, it would be a more inclusive and coalition building, you know, movement that everybody can relate to because, you know, who's protecting these companies when we go out and protest? Yeah. Criminal justice reform, right? right? Criminal justice system. Yeah. Who's protecting these companies? That So that includes the criminal justice reform movement. That's why Black Lives Matter went out to Standing Rock right. because police brutality in Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, immigration reform. Uh, you were talking about Her- Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. Who's, we don't even know about the undocumented communities out there, the Raices, and some of them are fighting for because they can't even report that, you know, something has been stolen from them during the hurricane or that they're too afraid to ask for assistance right. because they, they're undocumented. And, yep. You know, so I think that, that uh, that's what we need to do is center those, those people. I love it. I agree. What do you think is holding back the climate movement to be big enough to defeat polluters and the fossil fuel industry? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is money. Uh, you know, and but I mean, we have finally Scott Pruitt out, but who's next? Yeah. And you have a, a control of Congress right now that prioritizes money over people. But don't get it twisted. You know, there aren't many Democrats that are willing to stand up and put money to the side. Yeah. And we need people that are willing to, we need new radical leadership that is willing to um, put money to the side and put people over profit and to focus the, the work on people right. and those communities of color that we're talking about um, instead of, you know, trying to put a polar bear up there and saying that that's <laughs> the one that we need to, like, look at this little white polar bear. This is what we need to protect. Right. And as, as, as passionate as I am about protecting that polar bear, 
We need to center the people. Right. We need to center the people. That, that's what people are going to show up for. If you put a Native woman up there, you know, the Native community is going to come out. You know, if you put a Black woman up there and actually care about her. Right. Not, not just as like, hey, come out and vote, but right. like actually care, show you care about her and have policies that is going to change things and that, that is worded in a way that it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have an out, mm-hmm. you know, that you're actually committing to something. I think that people will come out in droves and, and stand up and um, build coalitions and stand together and realize that all of these, all of our liberation is in, intersectional, that it, it's um, linked. And that liberation of the environment of animals is linked with people with right. criminal justice reform, immigration reform, you know, with indigenous justice and, you know, the land and water and all of that. Yes. Houston yes. is your hometown. Yeah. What was Hurricane Harvey like for your family and your friends? And what are the things like now in terms of recovery? Um, my family was super blessed. Um, I was up. I was pissed. I was up all night trying to find them evacuation routes and everything. And my mom's uh, area neighborhood was supposed to be completely flooded. Oh and they had predicted it hours before. And there's all this stuff. And hers was a red zone. It had, was categorized in different zones. And I stayed up all night. And I was like, you've got to get out there. And I'm telling her, I'm going to call her and make sure she wakes up so that she can blah, 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 blah and telling her where she can go, just 20 minutes down the street and everything, and she finally decided that she wasn't going anywhere. And I was absolutely pissed. I can only imagine, like, I was what? so pissed. I, didn't, I was like... That's not, that stubborn parent, like... Stubborn. What? Just like, I gotta protect my house. And I'm like, the house is supposed yeah. to protect you, lady. Um, so <laughs> she stressed me out, and my family stressed me out, but here's the thing. Now I can't, like... I was mad at her and I stayed mad at her for a while, but I couldn't really say much because her house was fine. Wow. Her house, God. it was just the two streets that she lives on were the only ones that weren't flooded. Thank God. Um, my, my brother's, the, the house, he lives in a lower income neighborhood and the water came right up to the door and stopped. Not a drop in the house. Um, I have, you know, six other siblings, you know, and, and cousins all over the city and, and friends that I called and every person that I called, maybe because I was praying so hard. I don't know what it was. People all over the town were praying, I'm sure, but I don't know what it was, you know, and why my family was blessed, but I I praise God that that, that they were. Um, But I also know other firsthand accounts of, you know, I think I was telling you earlier, somebody, uh, a buddy of mine's mom, was moving houses, moved all her stuff into the storage. She had two houses to stay in. They were completely fine. But the storage got flooded. All of her pictures, furniture, everything. Um, A buddy of of mine, her brother invested $200,000 in renovating his new house. He was just done. Black man, worked hard for that money and completely destroyed. Those are not even the worst cases of it. I mean, like there were communities of color, there are undocumented people that were too afraid to report, and there's, there's not ways, as many ways to assess the damage in that, but people are still recovering. People still need that money. Right. And uh, Raices was, uh, was one of those 
organizations that were helping undocumented and uh, people of color focusing their efforts on that in Houston. And now they're at the forefront of the uh, fight against the separation of families. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've been doing that work in Houston for years in Texas. But there are a lot of organizations out there, but I would I would still like push people to focus on donating to those companies who are specifically um, targeting their efforts for low-income people right. of color. Yes, um, we were also talking about the fact that Houston, the fourth largest city in the nation, got, and it's huge, it's so massive. massive. Area-wise, it's the largest city. In the, in, the, in the nation. And it got $160 million in FEMA relief. And that sounds like a lot of money, but that's not a lot, not of, a money. lot of money. $160 million. Money. But what's worse is Puerto Rico got, for the entire island, $6 million. $6 million. That's insane. And you see how... Insane. You know, our government values... Because Houston is the energy capital, and they had energy capital. It's predominantly white. You know, that's how much it got. It had to fight for that 162 million or how much ever much it was. Yeah. But that little island with people, all people of color, six million dollars, yeah. and still the longest blackout in history. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense when you only getting two dollars to help. Wow. So that's again. I think we need Crazy. to center those stories of of those communities of color and and I don't trust you know that 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 money is allotted properly. Right, we we know it's not. Yeah. You know there are still relief efforts in, in a lot of the coastal areas. A buddy of mine just went out, went down uh, a lot of the coastal areas, uh, probably around Port Arthur, but not Port Arthur specifically. I don't think I know a lot of relief effort was going to Port Arthur, but there are some other towns that were, you know, destroyed and still need help and resources. Um, You know, other, I don't want to get it twisted, there are, you know, white, low-income communities there as well that got very little relief. Yeah, I always say it's people of color and poor people, which could include a little bit of everybody. 100%, 100%. But even... When we go to prioritization, you know, if you had to choose, if the government had to choose between a white poor area and a poor area of color, indigenous or whatever, it would go to the white community. I concur. Yeah, unfortunately. I hear you. All very true and sad. So you guys... and I will say, even like when I was going out there and I was trying to connect out, connect with a, uh, an organization, the, a lot of the organizations, organizations with, um, that are run by people of color, that are focused on people of color, are so small. They're s- such a small, and they, they couldn't, they didn't even have the capacity to organize with me. You know, they were just like overwhelmed. And all of the companies uh, or organizations that were willing to get me out there and and, you know, um, organize, mm-hmm. we're focused on white areas. Wow. And I was willing to help, but I was like, this is my focus. Right. My focus is racial justice and criminal justice reform. And, you know, I, I'm sure you have, I can connect you with so many other people that will be willing to go and help you, but this is my focus right, right now. I need to get the money to those, those areas. I that respect that. 
Yeah, I'm sure they, well, maybe they respected it. Did they respect that too? Yeah, they respected it. Okay, mm-hmm. good. You engage your co-stars in your activist work. What has been your experience in working to organize your peers in Hollywood? You know, how, how can the movement better support artists and celebrities who use their voice for justice? And please tell us also what you're doing next in your career. Um, so it's really, it's actually, it, it, yeah, it's hard to organize, you know, celebrities, I mean, and artists. <laughs> yeah. You know, artists, we're all, including myself, I am not good with scheduling. I am all up in the air when it comes to my finances. Guilty. And I'm like, what is going on? I want to create and be done with it. Um, when you talk about organizing, I'm like, what is that? Yeah. Um, so it's hard to get people involved, and a lot of people just want to know what to tweet out. But And it's also Hollywood is a microcosm of the rest of the country. Like, people want to know what to tweet. People want to know. And that's huge. That's, like, awareness. And great. But we're all hands on deck right now. Like, we need everybody to be organizing. Yeah. We need everybody to be being creative and finding ways to get involved in yes. this fight. Because we're we're not democracy. I, I don't know why people keep saying we lo- we're losing our democracy. Our democracy is lost. <laughs> we need to build our democracy. Yeah. We need to build a new legacy for this country that actually stands up for people of color. It hasn't ever. Right. It's yeah. built on genocide. Totally. It's built on slavery. It's, yeah. It's yeah. not a country of immigrants. It's a country that was invaded. Invaders, colonizers, you know what I mean? Like, we need to change that legacy and build a new one. Mm. And it has to be all hands on deck. And people listen to Hollywood. And as less important, in my opinion, in the fight as we are than Dolores Huerta and, like, um, you know, some of these amazing Native activists and, you know, uh, undocumented activists and... Um, you know, Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. Patrice Cullors and, and Linda Sarsour and some of these Muslim a- activists and Latinx activists, like, that do it every single day and organize every single day. Mm-hmm. When we show up, the people of, uh, the people, um, of influence, mm-hmm. influencers, celebrities, when we show up, everybody's like, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much for being here. And I'm like, standing mm-hmm. next to Dolores Huerta, like, you need to be thanking her. Right. And that's what we need to do. Every day. Yeah. We need to say, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for thanking me. But this is who needs to be thanked. Yeah. And, um, and do work and, and, and learn how to organize and take some of the pressure off of these activists and also amplify those and amplify the proper voices. And, but it's, you know, it's rough to get them there. But more people are willing than ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing more people step up than ever. Mm-hmm. And we, I even, Mike De La Rocha, who um, runs Revolve Impact, and um, Tia Oso, who uh, was a co-creator of Baji, um, are helping. Uh, they're organizing this initiative, and, and I'm lending my support uh, 100% of, like, you know, uh, deep political talks and, and, and uh, social justice training, basically, for people who want to use their platforms better. Uh, and, and I know, you know, Harness is trying to, and some of these other um, organizations are are stepping up to that, to try to fill that void and, and teach people how to use their platforms better, or at least connect them to the right people. Right. You know, and 
I'm inspired by many of the people that are stepping up, like Diane Guerrero and Matt McCorry and uh, Michael Bennett, Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are people that are working on being activists, artivists, and working on organizing as well. You know what I mean? And that's super encouraging. So your social media again is? Kendrick38. Kendrick 38. And I'm also working with Reform LA Jails on a ballot initiative to redirect this $3.5 billion that they're trying to spend on new prisons in LA when we have the most prison, largest county jail system in the country here and therefore the world um, because we have the largest prison system in the world here. They want to spend $3.5 billion on new prisons. Mm. And we're trying to redirect that money to. Alternatives for incarceration for mental illness and homeless Mm. and also uh, give civilian oversight to the sheriff's, the sheriff's civilian oversight committee. Yeah. So and that that's something that I think can be a movement across America. But I think we should start here in L.A. in the largest county jail system in the country. And um, set a precedent. Well, that is amazing, Kendrick. Thank you for being here. We support your efforts. Thank you for being here on Think 100, the coolest show on climate change. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Like what you heard? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit think100.info to learn more about the issues and donate to this project. Also, be sure to follow us at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag Think100. Thanks again and all.